It's so nice to see you this morning. We're on our fourth part on our series about faith. Today we're talking about the key to pleasing God. I think we all desire to please God. It's something that we want to do. But what does it take to please God? And I think people have a lot of different ideas of what makes God happy. And people think like religious rituals that I do can make God happy. We're doing a religious ritual today. It's very important, the communion. It's a chance for us to reflect on what he's done uh, for us. But religious rituals, that's not what makes God happy. He likes it, but it's not the main thing. We sometimes think God's happy if I keep all the rules and regulations. Well, he wants you to keep the rules and regulations. That is good, but it's not the main thing that really pleases him. These are all good things that, you know, obviously he wants us to do these things. Sometimes we think what pleases God is if I have more good than bad, then the good wins over the bad, so I please God. Well, I hope you have more good than bad, you know, I think, but that's not what really pleases God. When you look in, your, in the notes in Hebrews eleven six, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The only way that you really please God is through faith. When you're doing these things, like a ritual, uh, rules, trying to obey God, the, whole, the most important thing is that you're doing it out of your faith. You're doing it because of your relationship with God. Now, a lot of people, they would say, oh, I, I have faith. But there's an interesting verse in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Now, he didn't write this to people that don't believe. This was actually written to a church. And he's telling them, he's basically saying, as believers, I want you to examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith. Well, if they're believers, aren't they automatically in the faith? Why would he say that? Why does he want to make sure that they know that they've got the real thing? Well, when you think about it, how would I examine myself? One way that you could do that is through the book of James. In James chapter 2, it talks about what faith isn't. It, it talks more about what faith isn't than what it talks about what faith is. It, it mentions four things. Faith isn't this, but this is a real thing. So in your notes, what is real faith? Real faith is not just something you say. It is something you say. It is something you say, but it's much more than that. Look at James 2.14. What good is it, my brothers, if a, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Circle the word claim. What he's saying is faith isn't demonstrated by being a big talker. You know, I can talk and talk and talk about what I believe, but that doesn't mean that I have faith. It's not a claim that I make. It's much more than that. A Gallup poll said that over 50 million people in America claim to be followers of Christ. It doesn't really mean that they're following Christ. You might look at their lifestyle and say, well, what I see, that doesn't seem like they're following Christ, but they claim it. At the end of the World Series, there's always at least somebody that says, I want to thank the good Lord for this victory or whatever. It doesn't mean that they're following Christ. They might be. They might not be. But a lot of people want to thank the good Lord. It doesn't even mean that they even believe in Jesus. It, you can't go by just something that they say. When someone puts a Christian bumper sticker on the back of the car, that doesn't mean that they're following Christ. It doesn't even mean that they really believe. That, you know, but they put a Christian bumper sticker on. It might mean something happened. It might mean that they you know, claim it. 
there's a big difference between professing and possessing. And God is saying to us, it is something you say, but make sure that your faith is more than just that. Your faith is more than just something I claim. Number two, real faith is not just something you feel. It's not just an emotion. There, when you have faith, you probably do get emotional about some things. It's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's more than being emotionally moved and inspired and stimulated. It's more than crying. It's more than feeling the presence of God. I can feel the presence of God in a situation and not be a follower of Christ. You can feel it. Wow, wow, God was here. Wow, I better get out of here because the building's going to strike, you know, lightning's going to come down and strike me. Because that's how some people feel. They, 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 it's not that they don't believe that God's there. It's not that they don't believe they can feel it. They just believe that they've offended God somehow and God's mad at them. So you can feel it and not even be following. In James 2, 15 and 16, it says, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed. This person feels something for that person that's without food, without clothes. Go, I wish you well. But if someone does that but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? He's saying, you can have all the feelings like, oh, that poor guy over there. But if you don't help him, did it really mean anything? You had feelings. You know, it's usually like that poor guy. Somebody's got to go over there and help him. Then you continue on your way. It's, you know, it's more than sympathy. Sympathy is saying, I'm sorry you hurt. Empathy is when you feel it too. But compassion is when you try to do something about it. Faith, it's something practical. It's more than a feeling. It's something that I get involved in. I put my faith into action or else it's useless. You know, it says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. The terminology that they would use for brother or sister meant a fellow Christian. It's not that we don't help people that aren't Christians, but he's specifically in this example talking about you see someone in the church that's hurting, and he says, you don't just say God be with you. You help him. You help her. And it kind of shows that there's a responsibility in a family because the church is a family, so there's a responsibility that if we know that somebody here is hurting, let's try to help them. Let's put into action because that's what you do with family. You help them if, if you're able to. In 1 John three seventeen, it says, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother, there again, when it uses the word brother and sister, it specifically means fellow Christian. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? He's saying, if I don't love you, I don't really love God. I don't really love God if I don't love you. So a real believer is willing to put action behind their faith. <clears throat> it's more than a feeling. I try to get involved and make things better. There's a little boy, and he was on the seashore, and there's these starfish that got washed up. But there's hundreds of them spread out, and he was picking them up, trying to throw them back into the water. And a man came up and said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm trying to get all the fish back into the water. And he said, there's too many of them. You're never going to make a difference. Then the little boy picked up one of the starfish, threw it in the water. He said, I bet I made a difference for that one. See, 
we sometimes are waiting for this great opportunity that God's going to do in our life. And I'm going to tell you, great opportunities seldom come. But small opportunities to do something great are around you every day. So, and don't you think if you had a small opportunity to do something good here and a small opportunity to do something here and the next day here, when you combine it all together, it's probably pretty great. God does give you a great opportunity. He just usually doesn't do it all at once. It's going to be spread out over your life or over years. And if you don't take those small opportunities to do good, you're going to sit around waiting for that big thing to happen. And God said, I gave you such a big thing. And you just walked by life and didn't do anything. So God wants you to make a difference. He wants you to seize those little opportunities that you have to put your love into action. Number three, real faith is not just something you think. It is something you think, but it's much more than just the mental thinking. It's not just philosophy. It's not just something that you discuss and you debate and you argue and you say, oh, that was mentally stimulating. Let me tell you, when you study the Bible, it is mentally stimulating. That's a part of what happens. But faith is way more than a concept. It's way more than an idea. It's it's a decision that you make. It's a commitment. We don't just discuss it. We're making a commitment. It's not just a mental challenge. Look at James 2.18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. He's making a point. He's saying faith isn't just something you debate. It's something you do. He's saying, show me your faith. He's saying real faith is expressed in a visible way. See, faith is odorless. It's colorless. It's weightless. How do you know you have it? It shows up in your life. When I trust God, if I have faith in God, it shows up by how I treat other people. That's how faith is demonstrated. It's not just something I think. It affects how nice I am to you. It affects me being courteous, considerate of others, just loving other people. That shows like, oh, yeah, that guy really has faith. Faith is like calories. I've never seen a calorie before, but I've seen the results. I know they're there. There's evidence, but I've never seen the calories. Faith is something that you can't see the faith. It's odorless, it's colorless, but you can see it in your life. I can remember watching this old movie on television. It, it must have been in the 50s or something. I can't remember. But it was called The Invisible Man. There was a newer version of that uh, later on. But it was kind of funny. You couldn't see the man, but there was evidence that he was there. Because you'd see the teacup and saucer going across the room. <laughs> or sometimes you see a hat going across the room. Or sometimes you see the door open and close. And sometimes you hear footsteps. But you could never see the guy. But there was evidence that he was there. Faith is like that. It's evident by the effect that you're making on, everything, on everyone around you. That's what faith does. So it can't just be something I think about. Sometimes we have a gap between our mind and our heart where we talk about it here, we get it here, but it never affects my heart. If it doesn't affect my heart, it will never be a part of my life. And we want it to affect the way that we live. There's a lot of ways that we do this. If you ask people, what's the most important thing? They'll say their family, for example. But not everybody that says that their family, they think their family is the most important thing. But sometimes if you look at their lifestyle, they don't make their family a priority. 
So it's one thing to say it. It's another thing for it to really be that person's life. By their lifestyle, you would say it's not a priority. Health. A lot of people say, oh, my health is, is your, if I said, is your health valuable? You say, oh, yeah, it's very valuable. But then you ask them, do you sleep enough? And then you say, no, I'm always working. I go home late. I never get enough sleep. Do you exercise? No, I don't have time to do that. Do you watch what you eat? No, not really. I eat fast food all the time. And they say it's important, but it's evident by their life that it's not important. Because if it was really important to that person, you will see it in their life. People say, uh, Jesus is important to me. Oh, yeah. Do you go to church? No, 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 no. I don't go to church. Do you read your Bible? Uh, no, not really. Do you spend time praying? Uh, yeah, sometimes I remember to now and then. Do you give to the church or do you give to any sort of religious organization that's making an impact on the world? No, my, 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 you know, they treat their money like this. God, here's my money. I'm going to throw it up in the air. Whatever you keep, you keep. Whatever falls back down, I keep. And that's their service to God. Okay, it all fell back down as mine. So they don't put it in their lifestyle. It's not really affecting them. So just because somebody thinks that they have faith, it doesn't mean that they have faith. If I put my finger in a 220 voltage socket, I'm going to feel the power. It's going to have an effect on me. And what I'm trying to say is God's a much more powerful source than electricity. And how can somebody have God? Because here's what Christianity is about. It's about Jesus coming and living in me. Of course, it's the Holy Spirit. How can somebody have God come in and live inside them and it not change them? The power of God will change your life. So it has to be more than a head knowledge. It changes my heart where I want to live it out. How do you live it out? Your love is all, for God is always shown by how you treat one another. It's, you know, are you loving to other people? Do you have a forgiveness in your heart toward other people? Are you letting go of your grudges? Are you finding ways to, to serve somebody that needs to be served? Jesus can't come into your heart and not change that. And then if, I'm a, if I think I'm a believer but I don't see that change in my life. I have reason to check out, to examine my faith, like that verse said at the beginning. I have reason to examine my faith and say, did I really get the real thing? Because why am I not loving toward other people? There's a disconnect there. Either Jesus isn't in my heart, or there's something wrong, right? Because it's got to be demonstrated by how I live. I've said before, if they outlawed Christianity... Would anybody have enough evidence to put you in prison? Or they say, oh, he's definitely not a Christian. <laughs> She's definitely not a Christian. They say, but they claim that they are. Yeah, but you have to see the way they live. If you saw the way they live, you would know they are not a Christian. So if it was against the law to be a Christian, would they put you in jail or would they look at your lifestyle and say, no, he's definitely not one of them? You know, I would hope that if it was against the law to be a Christian, everybody would know that you're a Christian. Number four, Real faith is not just something you believe. People have strong beliefs about Jesus and God and the Bible and catechism and some creeds and uh, doctrine and religion. Great beliefs, great beliefs. But it's more than just a belief. Look at James 2.19. You believe that there is one God. Good, but even the demons believe that and shudder. So what is he saying here? He's saying, you believe in God? The devil believes in God. You know, the devil's not an atheist. 
He believes in God. He knows him personally. You know, you believe in the virgin birth? Well, the devil believes in the virgin birth. You believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Well, the devil believes that. What's the difference? The devil doesn't like God. (laughs) It's not that he doesn't believe it. He believes all the same things. He just doesn't like God. He doesn't want anything to do with God. So I can, just because I believe something doesn't mean I'm any more of a Christian than the devil is. The difference is the belief that I believe this stuff so I love God. I commit my life to God. I want his presence in my life. I want to live for him now. I want to follow him. Are you going to live a perfect life? No, not at all. But there's a big difference between someone that believes and the way the devil believes. It's not just a head knowledge. I believe in George Washington. There's no photographs. No, you know, no one can prove that George Washington lived. You can't prove it. But I think it'd be kind of ridiculous if you don't believe that he lived. No one can prove that Jesus lived. But I think it'd be kind of ridiculous, you know, to not believe it. There's enough historical records about George Washington that I believe it. There's enough historical records about Jesus Christ that I believe it. I'm not talking about the Bible. I'm just talking about other historical writings. So, you know, it's more than just a head knowledge of knowing that they existed. Because I know that George Washington existed, but it doesn't mean I've given my life to him. It's a step beyond just knowing the existence. Because like I said, the devil knows that he exists. The Bible says, the fool says in his heart there's no God. It's foolish to think there's no God. I just try to, I think of things like if the earth was just tilted a little bit different this way or this way, we would either all freeze or we'd all burn up. Just little things like that where God knew exactly how it had to be. And it's beyond chance for things to be so perfect. When you see the birth of a child, man, that makes me believe in God. There's, and there's all kinds of things like the chances What are the possibility of a surge of energy hitting carbon and protein at the right time and creating life? I've never seen that happen, but what are the chances? And then over time, given enough time, it turns into a two-celled animal and then a three-celled animal. And given enough time, it turns into a fish. And given enough time by itself, just by happen chance, it starts developing eyeballs. And just by chance... It goes from um, being a fish to walking on land and being able to breathe air just by chance, just by chance. And by chance, it develops an eardrum just by chance over time. Given enough time, by chance, this will happen. And then it has eardrums. And just by chance, somewhere along the way, it went from one sex to two different sexes at the same time. And from that point on, that's the only way it continued, just by chance. When you start thinking about what people believe if they don't believe that God did it, It's ridiculous to believe that something like this could happen all by chance. What I'm saying is it takes a lot more faith not to believe in God than it does to believe in God. The people that have the most faith in the world, man, they're the atheists. You've got to commend them on their faith. Because you talk about blind faith, they're even willing to ignore the facts to believe what they want to believe. That's faith to the ultimate. Not a smart faith, but it's faith nevertheless. Real faith is more than a head knowledge. It's like people say, sure, I believe I'm Catholic or I'm Jewish or I'm Baptist or I'm a Buddhist or I'm Mormon or I'm Lutheran, I'm Presbyterian. But religion is never mentioned in the Bible as the way to God. 
It's not about, it's a, it's not about rules and regulations and rituals and religion. It's about that relationship with God. My faith is in him. My faith isn't in this church. This is just a tool to communicate. It's only a tool. And it's a family to support each other. But my faith isn't in the church. My faith is in Jesus. It's what he's done. It's that relationship with him. And then it's more than just believing it. It's putting it into action. Look at number five. Real faith is something you do. It's active. It's not passive. It's a commitment. It's something that you demonstrate. Look at James 2.20. When will you ever learn that believing is useless without doing what God wants you to do? It's useless if I don't do it. Faith that does not result in good deeds is not real faith. How will you know that you have real faith? It shows up in how you treat other people. It shows up in your lifestyle. If you really believe, you start loving people. In other words, it's saying actions speak louder than words. Your behavior shows what you believe. Now, I want to make something clear. And I want to make sure that you don't misunderstand what my point is for today. For today. Good works are not the root of salvation. They're the fruit of salvation. The root of salvation is Jesus died on the cross. You put your faith in him. But because you put your faith in him, there's some fruit that shows from that. You know, good works don't make you a Christian. They show that you're a Christian. Good works don't deliver salvation. They demonstrate my salvation. You don't, you do good works not to get in heaven, but because you believe in Christ. I believe this. I'm going to do what it says. I, when God says to me, love your neighbor as yourself, I say, oh, I believe that. And how is belief demonstrated? By trying to do it. If I said, I believe there's a bomb in this building, let's get out, let's get out. And then I went on to the next point. You would think his actions showed that he doesn't believe. But if I said, I believe there's a bomb in this building, you saw me running out the door, maybe you'd follow. I'd be, get out, get out, get out. You know, you put an action behind it. There's always action behind what you really, really believe. Here's Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It says, for it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. So we're saved because of God's grace. And that's what communion's about. It's about Jesus came, he bled, he died for me. He paid off the penalty of my sins. It's his grace. It wasn't that I was good enough to reach God. It's all about what he did to reach me. I put my faith in it, that. I'm trusting, faith is trust. I am trusting that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And because of that, I'm forgiven. That's what put me right with God. So it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. So I didn't do it. I'm not going to heaven because of anything I did, but God's gift. It's his gift. But in verse 10, it says, and in our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us for a life of good works. But I put my faith in him. He comes in and he changes me. He creates me for a life of good works. He's created me to do good, which he has already prepared for us to do. So the basis of my salvation in your notes is God's grace, meaning I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. The basis of salvation is in God's grace. But the proof of my salvation is in my ministry, meaning what's the evidence I believe? Well, Christianity is about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving your neighbor as yourself. What's the evidence that I really believe in God is I start loving people. It's a choice. It's a choice. But I choose like, wow, you know, I believe in God. I'm going to treat people right. 
Are you going to always get it right? No. But there should be evidence in your life. You should be able to see in your own life that at one time I was here, but now I've chosen to forgive people that maybe you wouldn't have before. Now, if you became a Christian at a really young age, you might not be able to know the difference because you can't remember not being that way. There's a lot of people that they become a Christian when they're so, so young that, that, that they can't remember not living that lifestyle. But most of us became Christians later. And we can say like, wow, yeah, I can remember putting my faith in Christ and I've learned to forgive people. I've learned to let go of stress in ways that I couldn't before. I mean, I don't hold a grudge. I've learned to forgive myself. Like you start seeing what God's doing. I'm really loving people more and more. And there's a growth process. But if you don't see any growth in your life, you have reason to say, I need to examine my faith. What's wrong? Why am I not growing? Why am I not loving people the way that I know I can? What's holding me back? And you want to see that if it's not there. So the next step of what we're talking about is, what am I going to do? How can I show my love for God? How can I show my love for other people? Is there people I need to forgive? And we're making a commitment. Like, my faith is not going to be just something I say. My faith isn't going to be just something I feel. My faith isn't going to be just something I believe. You know, I'm, I'm going to do it. It's not going to be just something I think about. It's going to be something that I live out. It's going to be who I am and how I treat people. With that, I want to lead us in a prayer, and then I'm going to share a few more things. But let's pray together this prayer. You can make this your prayer as you pray silently with me. Let's pray. Dear Father, we're guilty of saying the right things and thinking the right things and feeling the right things and believing the right things and then sometimes not doing it. Lord, we want to practice what we say, what we think, what we feel, what we believe. Lord, we're making a commitment to live out our faith. Lord, we know that you want us to love those around us. Lord, we want to let go of bitterness and anger. We want to forgive ourselves. Lord, we want to be people that look like Jesus, that they can tell this person loves people, this person cares about people. Lord, we're asking you to develop that more and more in our life. Lord, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.